Welcome to the Lift Church podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you to live up to your God-given potential. All right. Well, you may be seated. Good morning. Good to be back at Lift Church. So uh, it's really cool to see you guys, uh, faces that I recognize, others that I don't recognize. That is also a very good thing to come back a year later and uh, see people you don't know. That's good. <laughs> uh, so yeah, as uh, Nathaniel said, it's my privilege to, um, to just get around all the HarvestNet churches, albeit uh, sometimes only once a year. But uh, oh, I love what you're doing with the place. It's... Uh, it's you know, last time I was here, I think there was a lot more stuff down the side. So you wouldn't even remember that. But of course, if you uh, only come once a year, you notice the differences. I was, um, and the good thing is, you guys aren't blinding me with lights. I was at Dan, uh, Perth City Church, uh, one of your cousins in HarvestNet. And uh, those guys have just gone, they bought all these lights, but they're blinding. They're, they're getting their money's worth. We bought them, we're going to use them. And so what was happening was every time I looked up at the congregation, they blinded me and I looked down at my notes. But you know how you still see the lights? And I'm trying to read my notes, but it's just this blaze of little blinking things. So I'm going, guys, I can't read. I can't read my notes. So they were very disappointed that they had to turn some of their lights off. That was their big moment, and it wasn't working out the way that they planned it to. But anyway. All right. Are you ready? All right. So uh, I want to speak to you about relationships. And that should uh, interest everybody in this room because the quality of your life is really dependent on the quality of your relationships. If your relationships are going bad, that's your life going bad. Your relationship with yourself, yeah? Relationship with other people and, of course, your relationship with God. If you actually grouped your life, quality of life is really dependent on how those three are going, Your, your relationship with yourself. We're going to talk about that this morning. Uh, that's critical. And then your relationship with others and, of course, uh, your relationship uh, with God. So that's where I want to uh, take you. But we're going to get real about talking about relationships. There's just so much nonsense and hype and Hollywood um, fantasy around relationships. And we need to realize that's really what it is. Um, you know, we're starting to believe the hype and we've got to get real about relationships and that's going to help us, I think, uh, as we do that. All right, so that's where I want to take you. <clears throat> if you get lost, just remember the introduction and remember what I'm trying to achieve, all right? Oh, yeah, that's right. He's talking about relationships. Uh, <laughs> All right, so I have not got the scriptures for the screen because I want to hold your attention. I'm going to read three scriptures, and I want you to hear what the Bible is saying about relationship in these scriptures. So maybe a good place to start would be to close your eyes. I'll read them to you, then we'll pray. How about that? So, yeah, just close your eyes with me as um, I read these scriptures and you think about what they're telling us about relationship. Jesus said, love your neighbor, the one near you, in the same way you love yourself. 
Romans 15:7 says accept one another just as Christ accepted you Ephesians 4:2 says be completely humble and gentle be patient bearing with one another in love make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace so Lord, we want to learn, we want to grow. We know that uh, so much of our time here on earth is made up of the quality of our relationships and we want them to be rich. We want them to be real. And I pray that, Lord, uh, a light would dawn, uh, something would click into place um, while I'm speaking, you're speaking, uh, in uh, a way that's individualistic to every heart and life here this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Cool. So getting real about uh, relationships. You know, um, relationships, that's how we experience the great highs of life and also the great lows of life. You know, relationships hold this potential of us experiencing great highs, but let's get real, also great lows uh, in life as well. And some of us are sitting here, we're getting real, uh, that we're we're probably had some of the most painful moments in our life of being through relationships, some of the most painful disappointments. Um, the, the relationships have not turned out as we expected them in, in our marriage, when we had children, uh, when we started that friendship with that person. It's not quite what we expected it was going to be. When we said, I do, little did we know what we were saying, I do too. All right. And when we said, let's have a baby, it sounded a great idea. But whoa, boy, has that child's grown up uh, with now managing this relationship with parent-child. Um, and so it is with, with everything that uh, we're talking about in relationships, especially when it comes to marriage. Um, I'm not aware of any other human relationship whereby our expectations of marriage are just so huge, just so massive. Uh, one marriage counsellor said, marriage is like eating with chopsticks. It looks easy until you try it. <laughs> and then it's like... I mean, forget it, give me that um, knife and fork. All right, so... You know, our movies, our magazines, the media, uh, they've sold us this idea that until you find the one, the soulmate, your life is just not worth living. This is the pinnacle of human experience. And until you find the one, that soulmate, you know, your life isn't quite there yet. All right, so falling in love and living happily ever after is the dream but we never get tired of hearing about the dream, you know. We never seem to get tired of it. You know, the songwriters have written songs about it. Uh, the most popular movies are around this, this dream about finding the one living happily ever after. But the harsh reality is we've only got to look at what's really going on in our world right now to say it's not a dream for many. It's a nightmare. It's not a dream at all. Um, so let's get real about that. Anybody can make a relationship work in a paperback novel. 
You can do that. You can just make that work. Uh, anybody can make a relationship work in a 90-minute Hollywood movie. There it is. There it's all working out. Uh, but <clears throat> that, my friends, is good entertainment, but it's not real. All right? hate to break it to you. It's good entertainment, but it's not real. And what we see depicted is an author controlling the words and movements and actions of these characters. They're, they're doing it and we're watching that, but it's just not how real life works, okay? Um, and so let's get real about that. And, you know, sadly, in China, 2015, I Googled it before I came, um, and don't do it now, just to make sure, you know, well, yeah, is that right? Uh, 2015, a staggering 3.82 million couples were divorced in China. Absolutely amazing, all right? Uh, and sadly, getting getting worse. You know, uh, the French and the Italians boast about how romantic and everything their culture is, but they, they now view marriage as old-fashioned and, and redundant. Um, the good news is Australian divorce rate is actually in the, on the decline. Yeah, the bad news is that's because less couples are choosing to be married. Okay, that's why that's happening. Okay, so I'm saying let's get real about relationships. Relationships would be easy if the people in them were perfect. How many of you would agree? Yes, yes. But the, the reality is we're not perfect. Uh, we're flawed from our families of origin. We're flawed from the negative side of our, our temperaments and personalities. Uh, but most of all, we're flawed because of our what we'll call egoic nature, selfish nature. Uh, and so one of the first things we need to do to reduce the frustration in uh, relationships is stop fighting reality. And reality is this person that you're in a relationship with is not perfect and neither are you. Just take a moment. Just take a moment. Neither are you. And so let's stop being disappointed that the perfection that could never happen hasn't happened. Let's stop being disappointed about that and, and stop expecting to people to be what they can't be. All right? Uh, I want this person to always be there for me. Well, only God can manage that. Only God can manage that. I expect this person to never fail me. Well, again, only God can manage that. All right? So we're asking people to do things they never can do. See, relationships don't succeed because people are perfect. They succeed because people forgive one another for their imperfections. That's what happens. Um, Colossians 3.13, be gentle and ready to forgive. Never hold grudges. Remember, the Lord forgives you. You should forgive uh, one another. So, well, you say, David, okay, so far all you've told us is obvious. Yes, but isn't it amazing how we keep forgetting the obvious? Yeah. 
I just keep forgetting what is obvious. People aren't perfect. That's obvious. Yeah, but have you realized that about this relationship that you're in? Uh, let me tell you something else that's obvious that we seem to keep forgetting, and that is despite of all the evidence that men and women are physically, mentally, emotionally different, we keep forgetting it. And we keep, why won't she be like me? Why can't you see my point of view? Why is he so stubborn? Why can't he do it my way? Well, there's something obvious going on here. Um, God created men and women uh, the way that he created them. And he did it with a, uh, um, a purpose in mind. There's certain things I can only discover in relationship that I could discover no other way because I'm stuck inside me. I can only, I can't sort of project myself outside my mental perspective. I actually need other people in my life and in my sphere. So of course uh, we're differently. Men and women think differently, they work differently, they shop differently. And if you're in my marriage, they watch TV differently. My wife wants to, yeah, but what did he say? Why? Oh, that's just not right. Honey, just be quiet and watch the movie, all right? <laughs> so, oh, look, I tell you, I remember when you, did it, honey, watch the movie, okay? <laughs> okay, all right, we watch TV differently. All right, but these are not meant to frustrate, they're meant to complete you're on your way to a better relationship when you realize this difference is not here to be something of a competition, but a, a, a complementing, yeah? That there's something that God's bringing uh, to us through this person. But uh, perhaps the most important thing about when we talk about relationships is they're extremely complex, extremely complex uh, I mean as many and varied as we have people and so that's why we have countless books and courses and you know teachings about relationships yeah but here's the here's the thing God actually says by comparison very little <laughs> We're saying so much. You know, go to the bookstore or something like that. Wow, row upon row of books about relationships and and all that. And yet, by comparison, you, you actually don't have that much, uh, actually, that God's saying about it. So why is that? Why are we saying so much? And God, by comparison, is saying very little. All right? Well... Uh, imagine a thousand people all asleep and all experiencing a different bad dream of some kind. Can you imagine that? A thousand people all asleep, all having a different kind of dream. And uh, how can we help these people? It would take us ages to get into their dream. They would tell me your dream. Oh, yeah, and what's going on? Mm, let me see if I can work out what that means to hear and analyze each individual dream. Um, that would just take so long, so much words, so many books, uh, actually. But 
there is one piece of advice we can give to all thousand people and it's the same piece of advice for all of them. You know what it is? Wake up. It's a dream. Wow. And that's why we're saying so much. Because we're, well, tell me, oh, I'm not, now in your case, blah, 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 blah. And God's just going, wake up. Wake up. And what is he talking about waking up from? He's talking about waking up from an egoic dream that we get out. I've found that it's not so much what happens in life that I'm offended by, it's what I make it mean when it happens. That's what's making me suffer, is not so much the happening. The happening is a happening. It doesn't have feelings. It can't go down the bedroom and slam the door and sob into its pillow. It's just a happening. It's the meaning I give to the happening. So God's saying, wake up and realize that it's what you're doing with all this stuff. And when you wake up to that, you break out of what we're going to talk about now is this uh, egoic dream that we somehow are living in and interpreting everything, particularly in relationships, through this egoic meaning. He said, she said, oh, what did you mean? Yeah, but you looked down when you said that. <laughs> yeah, well, that's because my foot started to itch. An ant, an ant started to crawl across no, 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 you, you did. You looked down. You looked down. Oh, okay. Okay. Now we've got to read a book about what does it mean when they look down. <laughs> Somebody's written a book about that. People looking down. No, it just means you are interpreting that as inferior, superior, uh, etc. and so on. That's why God says, you know what? Here it is. It'll fix that. Wake up. <laughs> now, how did Jesus put that? He actually put it like this. Uh, if you, and actually someone in our prayer meeting this morning uh, alluded to this, um, Luke chapter 4, Jesus said, If any of you wants to be my follower, he must turn from his selfish ways, his or her selfish ways. Take up uh, your cross and follow me. If you try and hang on to your life, you'll lose it. Well, what's this life we're trying to hang on to? And if we do, he says, if you try and hang on to this life, you'll actually lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. So what Jesus is talking to, this self that we're actually meant to identify and deny is actually the egoic self. How confusing is that? That on one hand, he's saying, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And on this hand, he's saying, no, deny yourself. Well, that's because he's talking about the unique self that you were born. When you were born, you were a unique self. And there's this egoic self that develops uh, over in our mind as we accumulate stories and interpretations of, of how life is. And that's the egoic self, uh, the carnal self, the flesh that the scripture talks about. And so here it is. No, 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 no. What's David on about this morning? 
basically what Jesus is saying, if you can identify and let go of your egoic self, you'll actually gain life. But while you refuse, you keep fighting for you you need to be the winner well he said it was a competition and you needed to win while you keep interpreting it as winning and losing you're actually becoming this person that the tighter you grip the less you have and uh you need to give that person up so uh, what does it look like when I'm identifying this egoic self and I'm giving it up so that um, I might gain life? Let me give you an example. Sally, my wife, does not like this example, but uh, nonetheless, it's effective to teach the point. All right? So she's not here, honey. Okay. Um, Say, so for instance, I... I say to my wife, honey, uh, while I'm at work today, can you make these important phone calls for me? And uh, I come home and I find she got busy during the day and she didn't make those phone calls. And immediately I feel something. Immediately I interpret her behavior as disrespect. I need to now teach her a lesson. When I give you an instruction like that are you now disrespecting is this a message of inferiority oh your phone calls are not important is that what this means so i get from her behavior i turn it around into an identity message see my ego is doing all this but see our egos are very tuned in so it immediately, while I'm thinking about this, I'm working out how I can punish her. <laughs> and uh, I could give her the guilt treatment. Oh, honey, you've ruined, you've ruined the rest of my week. It's okay, it's okay, but you just, you've really let me down. But that's all right. You've really ruined the rest of my week, but that's okay, honey. I could try that. Or the payback treatment. Well, I'm not going to make your phone calls when you. Or this, one of the ego's favorite ones is the silent treatment. Now, I'll just have a look on your face like you don't know anything what I'm talking about now. Because uh, this is a good one because you can disguise your punishment so that when the person complains, they can, you can just go, what? What? And you're just giving them the silent treatment. So my, my ego opts for the silent treatment. So I decide I'm going to punish my wife by giving her the silent uh, treatment. I'm going to sit in my chair like Mr. Grumpy for the rest of the... Are you okay? Yes. Uh, can I get you? No. <laughs> Honey, are you okay? Yes. Of course I'm okay. <laughs> My children uh, get the message and say, oh, Dad's in his grumpy chair. Leave him alone. Okay. So what's happening? The spirit of yuck is now coming to my home. Hello. I'm losing my life. That's what Jesus meant. If you, if you sit in your grumpy chair and you I've got every right to be in my grumpy, you're actually losing your life. Your kids are avoiding you. They're down the bedroom going, I hope dad goes to bed early tonight. 
And they all emerge once Mr. Grumpy's gone to bed. Thank God he's gone. I've missed out on spending time with my children because I decided I'm going to have my little ego fest, all right? And then I sort of strategically go to bed and lie right up one side lest I be touched by this defiled woman who, who would not make my phone calls, you know. And then I quickly make sure I'm asleep so I don't have to express any good night or good night kiss. You know, I'm immediately asleep and I'm punishing you. And I'm, the part of me being fed right now is my egoic self, but what a fool I am because I'm losing my life. My life is happening right around with my wife and children, but I'm actually losing it because I turned the whole thing into an identity message. All right? Now, if Sally was here, I'd reassure you again, this is fictitious and this hardly ever happens. <laughs> All right. So imagine something different. Imagine... I caught my ego. I come home and uh, I say to honey, did you do those phone calls? And she said, oh, I'm so sorry. I got busy and I, I didn't make, and I catch my ego going, and I, but at this time I catch it. Uh-huh. See, how can you deny a self that you can't identify? Uh, you have to be able to hear the self to go no to it. Yeah? See, you are not your thoughts. Did you know that? You're not your thoughts. How could you possibly be your thoughts? You're uh, perfect, whole, and complete. How could you be that thought? You know, the Bible says that Jesus was tempted in every way like we are and yet without sin. So Jesus had, are you ready? Homosexual thoughts. He had adulterous thoughts. He had murderous thoughts. He was tempted in how many ways? Every way. If you're capable of it, he actually had the thought. And yet without sin, why? Because he never dreamt or gave credence to that thought was him. It was a thought. Guess what? It's a thought. And people say, I thought it. I am it. Oh boy, you're confused then. Because one minute you're over here, next minute you're over there, right? That's just a thought, all right? And so if I can catch that, and then she, how could she possibly? Well, I bet you if it was her phone calls, she, and if I can catch that voice, I'm actually now can deny it. That is called denying yourself. And because I don't choose my grumpy chair, because I caught my, that self and I said no to it, blessing is going to come to my home. My kids are going to come out and say, Dad, look what I did today. Yeah, there's going to be life. There's going to be a meal around the table instead of me in my grumpy chair eating my meal on my own. There's going to be life in my home. Because I denied myself. What have I done? I denied myself, therefore I gained life. That's exactly what Jesus is, is talking about here. I give up my self-life so that the life of peace is ministered to in my home. You see, I had to learn this uh, the hard way. I, 
I don't mind telling you that I pushed my marriage to the absolute brink of breaking point years and years ago. But you see, I spiritualized the whole thing. I spiritualized, um, you know, that I was so busy with the church. Many would say, or, or, or Sally would say, that I was actually married. I was having an affair with the church. I was this busy pastor, always busy, always going out, having hardly any time. But see, what was my ego feeding into that was, I'm important, I'm somebody, people need me. This is, you know, oh, this, this woman who's complaining she's not as spiritual as me she doesn't love Jesus as much as I do if she did she'd realize she's married a great man <laughs> see I spiritualized it all and I could and, and it was all just feeding more into my uh, ego until I can still remember one night and this was uh, I'm, I'm sharing this because this is me waking up out of the egoic dream that I was caught in that was rapidly turning into a nightmare. We, um, I promised Sally we'd have this uh, family meal and uh, she had cooked and got it all ready and the phone rang and it was someone from the church who, look, sometimes people have had a problem for 10 years. Do they really need you straight away? And if you have lived with this thing for 10 years, I think you could wait till tomorrow, okay? Um, but anyway, somebody needed me. So immediately, da 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 super pastor. Somebody, hark, what is that I hear? I cry for help, all right? And so flip the family dinner, I've had a call. So I merge with my undies on the outside of my <laughs> trousers. <laughs> and what is this I hear? An upset wife. You know how can she not see that somebody needs me? Well, that moment was an absolute huge uh, argument that broke out. And uh, I can tell you, if, if God hadn't rescued me in that moment, I, I honestly wonder whether I'd be married today, honestly. Because I had now pushed my marriage to breaking point. It was more than just a meal that I was missing. It was a culmination of so many different things. And as I stood there justifying what I was doing and why I was doing it in my ego dream, it all seemed right. And I, of course, you're always the hero. You're always right in your egoic dream, of course. And... It was like as I stood there, suddenly, by God's grace, I woke up and I heard myself. You ever had that? Were you hearing yourself? And it's like you're almost having this out-of-body experience and you're just thinking, you're an idiot. You're an absolute pathetic idiot. Look at what you're doing. Here's your wife, here's your kids. You, you know, this person could easily wait till tomorrow. What are you doing? See, it was me that needed that. It was me. I, I had to wake up to what was really going on here. I was feeding more uh, a need uh, in myself. And by God's grace, I woke up out of this egoic dream. Well, that saved my marriage. That absolutely saved my marriage. Uh, in that moment. But that's true of so many relationships where we find ourselves caught up in this 
the the meaning of what's going on and interpreting it back through through our ego. So whenever you catch yourself in this mental debate over inferior superior uh, or blaming and complaining and criticism, guess what? Listen, your spirit doesn't talk like that. Your spirit doesn't talk like that. Your spirit doesn't talk in terms of uh, you know, complaining, blaming, judgment. It doesn't talk like that, all right? So if you can catch that argument, you've just caught the self you need to deny. You've just caught the self you need uh, to deny. If you want a better relationship, start catching the voice of ego inside you and and starts denying it like Jesus said. This is us living. No, that's not just a fridge magnet, you know. Deny yourself. Take it. Oh, yes, that's a lovely. No, that's a lifestyle. That's a lifestyle. I'm not trying to bring it down to where we're actually living this. And, oh, my goodness, I just heard my ego. <laughs> and it was ugly. And it was very selfish. And it was all about me. All right. So where do we need to start actually with our relationship? We would like to think, you know, if only they would, if only my wife was better, I, I'd be the perfect husband. If only, but you see, I'm trapped because she's as she is. See, see how I'm just now the victim? I'm stuck because... It's the person. How many, you know, as soon as you do that, how many fingers are pointing back at where the real work needs to start? <laughs> as soon as you do that, there's three fingers pointing back at where the real work needs to start when it comes to relationships. It comes back. See, what we have to learn is Love your neighbor as you love yourself. How I'm loving you is a reflection of my internal world. Yeah. When, when I'm nasty, it's because I've got stuff going on here and I'm not really loving myself. So you are bearing the brunt of the fact that I'm struggling on the inside. I'm treating you as a reflection of my internal world. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. What if I love myself this much? Now my neighbor is in trouble. My neighbor is in trouble. So how, where do we start when it comes to relationships? It actually starts here with our own personal wholeness. I'm, a, I'm an absolute believer in this. Uh, the best thing I can do for my marriage, my children, the best thing I can do for my congregation um, is to get healed and get whole myself. Now they're getting the benefit of my wholeness. That's why when Jesus came, he didn't offer us more money, uh, you know, better creative ideas, better living conditions. He came as our saviour, hitting on the very thing that we needed most to heal the brokenhearted, to kept the, set the captives free. Jesus Christ didn't come, I'm going to fix your economy. Look, I'm going to give you some creative ideas. No, he struck at the very crux of the matter which is the human heart 
and he'd come to bring healing and wholeness to that. And so I'm going to ask the singers and musicians to come back. And uh, what can we do to improve the relationships in our lives? Well, well, you know where a lot of messages would take us? Come on, everybody, let's try harder. Mm. Well, how's that working for you? You've been trying harder for years. You, you, trying harder is just you going deeper into your e ego movie. Trying harder means you only pretending to be caring and longing. Trying harder means you, the best you can hope for is to be a convincing hypocrite. Yeah, I'm not really that person, but I for, fooled you guys, didn't I? Yeah, but inside I'm still not right. Okay, that's what trying harder can look like. Or we could turn on our heels and walk away from yet another relationship, believing that's it. Now, sometimes, okay, sometimes that might be where it ends up. But most of the time, what I believe is it's actually us taking ourselves, our hurting, needing, broken selves into an, another relationship to repeat the whole thing all over again. We, uh, the thing about wherever you go, you're there. Mm, it's a bummer. You know, uh, uh, you know what? I'm going to start a new life in Bulamakanka. Well, guess what? I took my broken, hurting, needing, egoic self to Bulamakanka. And life tends to have a way of repeating itself because I'm still in need of wholeness on the inside. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. It's a timeless insight into the inner needs of human beings. Jesus was actually giving us. And so right now, this is where we need to land this whole uh, teaching that I've been bringing. As you bow your heads, close your eyes about relationships, it ends up not with me sitting down with you individualistic hearing what's happened and he said and she said and then I did and you wouldn't guess what happened. It comes down to us receiving salvation. And you know what this wonderful word salvation, this Bible word that we sing and talk about, salvation means healing, it means wholeness. Jesus Christ come to bring wholeness. Wow, we, we needed him because there's no other way we could get it. Our creator came to bring wholeness. And right now, as you bow your heads and close your eyes, that same Jesus that long ago said, I've come to heal the brokenhearted and set the captive free, that same Jesus is here. When we're in the presence of Jesus, we're in the presence of our healer. When you feel the presence of God, don't think it's just a goosebumpy feeling. He's healing you. Whether you intentionally realize it or not, the presence of God is always purposeful. And right now in this room, 
the healing of the brokenhearted, the setting of the captive free. And I love the phrase that Isaiah puts in there. He says, setting at liberty them that are bruised. How do you get bruised? You get some hard knocks. And when you're bruised, you get really tender and sensitive in that area. Whenever someone bumps or pokes you there, it's oh painful. It's a bruise. And Jesus said, I've come to set free people that have been bruised. When you're bruised, you need healing, you need freedom. Right now, as we sit in the presence of our healer, we welcome Jesus uh, into this room right now. We welcome the healer of the human soul into this room right now. Thank you for tuning in today. If you would like to find out more about Lyft, check out our website at theliftchurch.com.au.